Hey, how you doing, folks? Um, this is Stuff I Wish I Could Say. I'm your host, James Kennison. This is number seven. And uh, this one's going to be titled Stuff I Wish I Could Say to My Dad. Ever since I started the show, I knew eventually I'd have to do this one. And honestly, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't even know if I'll be able to release it when it's done. And I have absolutely no idea what's going to come out of my mouth. But my dad died when I was in high school. They pulled me off of a... Um, well, uh, that, they pulled me off of a baseball game. And um, I kind of figured that something was wrong. Come home. And my mom's crying. And I kind of knew. Even though I hadn't seen him since, um, you know, and I don't know. I don't know when the last time I saw him. I guess when I was eight, nine. And there I was, a, a junior in high school. And uh, so my mom tells me, your dad's dead. They found him. I don't know who she'd be on the phone with. I don't know who called her. You know, I don't know. But I remember not caring very much. Not being affected. And that's weird. Because you're supposed to care when, you're, uh, when your dad dies. You're supposed to care a lot. You're supposed to tear up your world. That really bugged me for a long time. Eventually wrote a song that, you know, I, I believe God gave me and helped me therapeutically work through it because that really troubled me for a long time. And the song was called, To Me, It Died a Long Time Ago. And that's kind of what I, what I learned is that's the reason why I didn't cry. It's the reason why I didn't freak out or whatever at the funeral and all that stuff and all the people and all the things that you do because, um, to me... When he left and never looked back and never came back, that's uh, obviously when he died to me. Not anything I chose. What's going to be hard about this is talking to him directly, you know, in the first person. It's going to feel weird. And since I don't remember a single conversation I ever had with him, he left us, I don't know, I must have been five, four Six? I don't know. I don't know the timeline. And I don't even know if everything I've heard about him is true. Supposedly alcohol-addicted, drug-addicted person. Another person says, no, he wasn't all that. He was just manic-depressive. Another person says, he stayed away because he loved you in his own way. Another person says, he was kept away from you, even though he wanted to be with you. Lewis, I'm older than you were when you died. I've outlived you. And Lewis, I've stayed with my kids. 
longer than you did. So I guess in some ways, I've made one of my goals to not be like you. Because for a while, it's all I had. And that sucks, too. The only goal to have as a kid with a crappy dad is to not be like somebody. I figured that out, too, because not being someone isn't a very good goal. Because you can not be somebody and still not be yourself. And I'm a good dad. I'm a crappy husband, but I'm pretty dang better than you were and a lot better than I thought I'd be. So I guess if I had you here, my questions would be, what was so wonderful about being away? Or what was so horrible about staying that you could look me, my sister, and my other sister in the eyes, if you even had the guts to do that, and leave. You know, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I want to believe that someone kept you away. But I don't believe it. Because I know if somebody tried to keep me from my kids, I'd freaking go Rambo. I'd be sneaking through the bushes. <laughs> I'd have a gun I'd have a knife in my teeth ready to take out anybody that wanted to keep me from my kids. You know, people tell me all kinds of things about you. How you're a football player, how you were a talented musician and singer. Tell me how your dad took you to bars when you were a little boy and warped your brain. They tell me how Vietnam messed you up. How you were never the same when you came back. And, you know, I pity you. I do. I understand it. I understand how hard it was for you. But I don't understand how any of that was my fault. And how I had to pay the price for that. And in many ways, I'm glad you left. You know, you did us a favor because I've met some people that were raised by you. And though they somehow turned out okay, they don't know much about you either. I'm glad I didn't have to deal with what you were. But it's not normal. It's not normal. And it wasn't easy. So many things that I missed out on. And I know it now because of my kid. My son. He. Can't have a conversation with me. Without every sentence ending. Right dad? Right dad? So and so on TV. Right dad? And I have to affirm him. Yeah, that's right. 
I mean, 50 times in a single conversation, this boy needs his dad to tell him that he's okay and that he's right and what he says is interesting and, and he's cared for. And I missed out on all of that. What does that do to a person? I don't know. I don't feel sorry for myself. Don't get me wrong. I just, I marvel at how much you threw away. So yeah, they tell me all these sad stories. And I believe every one of them. I really do. Somehow I think the truth is somewhere between the two stories that I hear. You probably were all of the above. You're probably bipolar, stinking, you know, over-medicated and over this and over that and post-traumatic stress and everything. I, I get it. I understand it. I, I believe it. And, you know, I believe both things, too, that, that you were kept away. And I believe you wanted to be there. I believe both. But a couple of years ago, I got my hands on my adoption records when my stepdad came into the life and uh, decided to change our last names. And you know what I saw in there? I saw your signature. Your signature under the part that said that you gave up. You gave us up. You gave up your rights. You erased our names and who we were with a pen stroke. And now to this day, my kid's last name is Kennison. My only son carries a name for a man I couldn't stand. Uh, my stepfather. It's ridiculous. The effects what you did <sighs> but you know you scared me enough to where I never touched alcohol never tempted a moment to smoke cigarettes never never tempted to use drugs never once Opportunities, yes. Tempted, absolutely not. So thanks for that. I got to see firsthand the effects of cheating on spouses, abandoning your kids. And because of you, I dated my potential wife for eight years. No, I'm sorry, four years. That would be a little sad. Four years. Four years as, as you know, emotionally handicapped and as immature as I was mostly out of fear of of divorce and repeating what you started waited four years wanted to make sure I was going to be we were going to have a shot at it you know it's going to be a decent husband and then after we got married I wanted to make sure if we were going to stay that way we waited eight years to have our first child waited way too long Man, we're old now. Got babies, kids, tiny ones. 
And uh, I had to make sure I was going to be a good husband before I had to learn to be a father. You know, I was so scared. I was so scared to be a dad for so long. I was afraid. Somehow I believed the part of the things I heard about you that it's unintentional. It was unintentional. It wasn't a choice-based thing. You were a bad father because of things that happened to you, and I believed it. And the sad thing about that, the bad thing, the damaging thing, is if I believe that, then I have to believe that the same thing could happen to me. If it's accidental, it's, if it's because of your sucky past, rather than choices, because then it could happen. And it could happen even if I was prepared for it not to. It could happen just instantly. And if I was to blame it any at all, then maybe my kids were to blame and they would activate something bad in me. So I waited. Talking to God about it one day. Actually, scratch that. God was talking to me. I was talking to a person and somebody said, you know, you're going to be a good dad someday. And I says, maybe. I hope so. And God kind of just says, don't say I hope so. You're going to be a good father if you choose to be a good father. And man, that rocked my world. And I realized, and, and from then on and still today, I, I say, people say, you're, you're going to be a good father. Or you're, yes, I am. I am a great dad. I'm a great father. And I don't say that pridefully. I say it because I work my butt off at it. And that's because I'm learning to be me. And what God created me to be instead of what you left us to be. See, the part I don't buy about the story is that if you were kept away from us, why didn't you fight? Oh, I hear. He tried to fight. He tried to fight the adoption. You still signed the paper. You signed it. So wrapped up in your own stuff. You hurt me, my sisters. But I forgive you. I do. I did a long time ago. Can't can't live with that kind of hurt. It still hurts. There's still a dad-shaped hole in my guts. I have a theory that God himself respects the role of the father so much that it's something he won't heal. It's probably as unbiblical as a day is long, but some of y'all out there know what I'm talking about. You can't watch a certain type of commercial or see a certain type of movie or, you know, silly things about dads, Nemo, whatever, freaking Nemo, gets you going. Because that place is important. important to my son it's important to my daughter i found that lois i i found that the role of the father is to validate his children a mom makes a child who he is quite figuratively and literally but a father's job is to make the kids okay with who they are right dad yeah dude And it was tough. It was tough growing up, not knowing who I was. It was tough not knowing 
about guy stuff. It was tough not knowing that when boys pick on you, it's because they like you. And that's just what boys do. They punch and hit each other. And the only time they start doing it mean is if you don't play back and know that. Even today, it's tough not knowing anything about sports or even caring. (laughs) You know how hard it is to connect with other men because of this? But you know, um, I play and sing a little bit. Here I got that from you. Some people say I'm funny, talented. I draw. I guess I got that from you. I've struggled with depression in my day. Got that from you. Thanks for that. Genetic predisposition to serotonin deficiency. It's fun. But there's a verse in the Bible, and I'm terrible with addresses, but it says that all things work together for good for those who are loved by God and called according to His purpose. Another one says all things are, um, blah, what is it? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Somebody's favorite verse, and I've just botched it. The Bible also says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I've lived off those verses, and I've proven them in my life. It's also a smart person, I don't know who said it, that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% what you do about it. And I think I'm an example of, of the miracle that God can do in a human being because I stopped it. I stopped it. It's not repeating in my family the curse of what you were from your father to you, from you to me, it stops here. Because I get two chances. Two chances to have a great family in the... F- Twitter. I get two chances to have a great family. The first one I had absolutely no control over. Nothing. But um, this time around, I had every bit to say about it. And by God, I chose well. I chose my... I chose my kids a great mom. And though they didn't come out great, my kids are turning out awesome. (laughs) I don't think they come out great. And I get to watch my kids grow up. And I will meet my grandkids. And my children will have an uncomplicated family. They'll be able to go to one house and visit both me and my wife. Christmases and holidays will be a joy instead of a big freaking drama. Because I learned that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way. And I somehow stupidly, blindly almost stumbled my way into doing it halfway right. Right. 
hopefully one day I'll meet you in heaven. I hope you made it. I really do. I honest to God do. I got nothing against you, believe it or not. I feel like at your core, you are a great guy. And I would love to just know what makes you tick and all that kind of stuff. Because I believe in heaven, you become the you without all the crap that happened to you in your life. I believe you come become the you that God intended you to be. I just do. I believe when you go to heaven, you don't even you don't just leave your stuff behind. You don't just leave your clothing and your possessions. I think you leave all your crap. If heaven's a place for perfection, there's no room for crap. So it kind of makes sense. So I hope you're there. And I hope I get to meet you. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Some parts were easier than I thought. Some parts were harder. I just want to say if you care about such things, I am happy. I have a great life. I'm living the dream of my childhood. I'm living in the best house I've ever owned, <laughs> the best place I've ever lived. And it's not even that great, but it's a lot better than a triple wide trailer with holes cut through where the rain pours in and cats fight under your bedroom. It's a lot better than a brick house on a main road in Jacksonville, Florida. Drug dealers walking by all night. My wife and I have a great relationship. It's not perfect. Who is? But I made a commitment. At one point, I didn't know what, how to be a good husband. I didn't know how to be a good father. But I just said, you know what? Most of it seems to have something to do with just staying. Just staying. So above all, I've committed to that. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be here. I'm not leaving my kids. I'm not leaving my wife. I got two awesome kids, and you don't know them. You cheated yourself so bad. I, I can't be mad at you. You missed out on so much more than I ever did. Because those two kids are amazing. One of them looks just like you. He's got big old freaking ears, big old giant head. Hopefully he'll be as tall as you were, because I did not get that from you. Nah, I'm done. There's really no conclusion on this one. I'm still living it out, you know? Still living it out, day by day. Trying to be an example to my my kids, to the kids I serve at my church. 
listening, teaching my kids boundaries, teaching them about the importance of rules and considering others first before yourself. Even today, we, we drove past a series of bus stops. And I says, you know why these, some of these folks, some of them, you know why many of them, some of them can't afford a car, can't drive a car. I said, some of them have made bad choices. I was far from hating on poor people. I've been on both sides of the fence. So, but I, but being over there, I know that many people are in the situation they're in because of poor choices they've made or, or people like my mom when, when we were young and poor, um, that were the, you know, the effects of bad choices. Ultimately a bad choice to marry a bad person results in a bad life. So there you go. But I was able to tell my kids, my daughter especially, who understands, this is why you go to school and do homework. This is why we go to church, learn how to live right and make good choices. This is why you listen to your mom and dad and obey. Because when you get make good choices, you avoid bad consequences. When you learn to obey your parents, you don't have problems with authority when you get older and feel like you have to cuss out every boss you have and when you work good in school you get to go to college or you're you know a great singer or an artist or something like that in which case skip college but um and when you when you obey god learn to honor and maybe just maybe you get a call to ministry like i did when i was eight years old Eight or nine, maybe ten. I don't know. Maybe eleven. I don't know when it was. Timeline. Blah. And a broken little boy with no dad and a sob story gets to do amazing things for other kids who are hurting in the same way and gets to be there for them and gets to be an example for them, an imperfect one. But I think imperfect examples are the best kind. Could you imagine trying to live up to someone who was perfect? I can't. Well, thanks for listening. I could talk all night. Weird show. And I'd love your feedback. I don't need anybody feeling sorry for me because there's nothing to be sorry about. It said, great life, all things work together for good. You know, I prospered in spite of what my enemy expected to destroy me. I I changed reality. And my kids will never know what it feels like to be abandoned. And that is amazing. I've already won. I just got to lose some weight so I don't die of heart disease, which is another wonderful thing I inherited. Probably. Hopefully not. So, guys, this has been stuff I wish I could say to my old man, to Wayne Lewis. I think this was bad. Wait till I do my stepdad. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, hang in there, folks. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>